episode of The Dealer Playbook, a podcast that explores what it takes to create a thriving career right here in the retail auto industry. I'm your host, Michael Cirillo, today joined by my friend, Dean Smith. He's going to share the compelling story about how he forgave the man who murdered his mother and how that applies to your career in auto. Uh, It's not every day that you get to sit down with someone who has climbed a mountain that not many people have climbed. And I'm not talking about Everest here. I'm not talking about real physical mountains. I'm talking about spiritual mountains. I'm talking about mental mountains. You've had an experience uh, in life that, and by the way, I've pulled certain people in my circles and asked them about what they would do in your circumstances. Interesting. Uh, and well, we, we can get to what their sentiments were a little bit as we dig into the meat and potatoes of this. My wife and I actually sat down and watched your documentary. And? And, uh, well, this is what led to some of the questions I want to be able to ask you today. Um, now, for those wondering, I, I want to just preface the conversation we're about to have and the story that you're about to hear. Because it's one of immense spiritual, physical, mental struggle, but there's reconciliation that doesn't, in my opinion, just have to do with an individual, but it has to do with relationships, relationships in your family, relationships uh, amongst your coworkers, the relationship that leaders have with team members, team members have with leaders. There's a big culture thing that, that I see in this whole thing. So Dean, I just want to, I want to I have all the, I have all the thoughts. Okay. Because this is so tremendous. I want to just turn this over to you. Can you tell us the story so that we understand all this build up? People are going, well, what's the story? What's the challenge? Just lay it on me and lay it on thick because I mean, this is just something so tremendous. You have to check out, by the way, you have, we're going to link to it in the show notes. You have to check out Dean's documentary about this whole story that he's going to share. So Dean, thank you. And, and, the stage is yours, my friend. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. So, you know, there's those, I'll just go back. You know, there's those days that change your life forever. And for me, that day was February 11th of my sixth grade year. I'm sitting in the principal's office at Southwood Elementary School in a little town called Enumclaw, Washington. And I don't know why I'm in the principal's office and a man walks in, never seen him before. And he has a very serious look on his face. He says, Dean. Um, Hi, my name is Pastor Rex Bell. Um, I don't know how to tell you this, son, but we're going to need to go to the hospital. Something's happened to your mom. And I remember being this 12-year-old and my my heart just like sinking. See, up until this point in my life, Michael, um, my mom had been married four times. And there was actually boyfriends in between the husbands. So we moved over 20 times to this point in my life. Things were always changing getting used to new father figures, new schools, obviously trying to make new friends, getting used to new neighborhoods. But the one thing that never changed, the one thing I could put all my faith into, all my hope into, all my love into was my mama. My mom was my everything. Right. And so Pastor Rex brings my sisters and me to the Harborview Medical Center in downtown Seattle. remember walking into the room and my mom had bandages around her head. She was unconscious. Um, they were covering, I was just reminded of this recently, um, how they were covering one side of her head. We didn't know why yet. And 
Um, I just remember the and the what had happened was earlier that morning when my sisters and I were at school, my fourth stepdad and my mom, my fourth stepdad's name was Bob. He'd been my stepdad for about two years at this point. He and my mom got into this horrible argument. And in a fit of rage, Bob goes down the hall, goes into my room, opens my closet and grabs the Christmas present. I had just gotten a couple months earlier, which was a baseball bat. And still filled with rage, went back down the hall to where my mom was. And so on February 11th of my sixth grade year, while my classmates were just getting out of fifth period, I watched my mom take her last breath of life. Uh, so is it like one of these crystallizing moments of my childhood? It's like 30 minutes after she's pronounced dead. I'm eating this triangular vending machine, egg salad sandwich, mm-hmm. tears running down my cheeks. And I have that small voice in my head as loud and as clear as I've ever heard it. And I remember as a 12 year old, like, Oh my gosh, there's a voice in there. I'm going to grow big. I'm going to grow up strong. I know Bob's probably going to go to prison, but someday he's going to get out. And when he does, I'm going to be there waiting for it, either to kill him or at least beat him within an inch of his life. But revenge was going to be mine. In fact, Michael, I thought, I'm going to hang on to all this finger towards him. I'm going to use it as motivation to help me make my mom proud. I'd invite everyone to take a deep breath. And I, I'd like to ask everyone listening or watching right now to, to answer this question in your mind. And it's this, who in your life right now, haven't you forgiven? Mm. And so as Michael and I are talking, moving forward, I'm going to be telling you about this journey I've had in my life with a man whose name is Bob. Bob's actually not his real name. I was trying to think of a name for him to protect his real name. And I thought burden of bitterness, B O B. Mm. Okay. So as I'm talking about my Bob today, I'm going to invite you to be thinking about the faces of the people that just came into your mind's eye when I asked you who you haven't forgiven so that you can sort of personalize what I'm talking about to your own situation. So I'm going to say, Michael, I'm going to be talking about my Bob. You're going to be thinking about your Bob's fair enough. Yeah. What? B O B S. There might yes. be some, there's, there's might be multiples. hundred <laughs> percent. And now here's the thing. There's going to be someone watching this. Who's like, well, I have a few Bobs. I mean, my ex-wife and somebody yeah. at work, but I don't have a big Bob like Dean. I mean, well, here's the thing, whether you have a, a full glass of cyanide or whether you have just a little glass of cyanide, it's still poisonous to you in the same way that the unforgiveness, the resentment, and the bitterness we're going to be talking about today is poisonous to your motivation, your confidence, your spirit, your relationships, your mentality, your focus, and on and on. Yeah. In in your documentary, you talk about how, like, Bob wasn't necessarily, like, a bad stepdad. Like, it, it, it almost seemed like, hey, you guys got along pretty good. He had a daughter, right? Mm-hmm. And so now you had another sister, Right. So it was you, your, your blood sister, and now you've got a stepsister and like things seemed kind of okay. But my, my question is this, because I think this feeds into this larger narrative. When I, when I look at my, my Bob or my Bobs and I kind of analyze what, like, was there a piece of you that 
because you talk about how your mom was the center of your universe, right? Mama bear, but, but not necessarily a good, like judge of men. Correct. So after all of this happens, did, did you kind of go through a phase where you, where there was resentment towards your mom? Like, man, like if only you were better judge of men, like, you, like maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. And the reason I ask it that way and Trust me, like this is, I'm trying to figure out like, how do I navigate a conversation about somebody's mom and this horrible thing? And, and I think a lot of people listening are, are thinking that same thing. Like, bro, you just like, are you dissing, are you dissing Dean's mom? And no, I'm not. I'm trying to draw a parallel, I think, in my, my question here to, I know like sometimes I can go, well, if only they, were this, then yeah. I wouldn't have experienced that. And then I wouldn't even have this resentment towards my Bob or whatever. Did, did that, was that a, a piece of this puzzle at all? Well, it's interesting that that's what comes up for you when you're thinking about this. If you, so, so I'm looking Uh-oh. at it like, <laughs> like, like a therapist, like, Hmm, hmm. Michael, very interesting question you're asking here. Yeah. So that never happened for me to answer your question succinctly because I had her on such a pedestal that there was, she could do no okay. wrong. It, it wasn't until later in life, like in my thirties where I was like, Oh wow. I guess she really was put us in some really dangerous situations over the years. And it had been enough time by that point. All my fire was towards Bob. Yeah. And, the, but here's the thing that question comes up for you and there's all these different ways. If we don't forgive which breaks the chain of those negative emotions so that we can step into the, our fullness of our potential is that we cope and we all have different coping mechanisms to the, the bad things or the sins or the bad things that happen in our lives. Mm-hmm. If you don't forgive, then you're simply coping otherwise known as a forgiveness substitute. And what happens is every bad thing that happens in your life, whether it's you do something bad or someone does something bad to you, it causes damage to your soul your mind, your will, your emotions, which causes pain and dysfunction to your life. And you've got to deal with that pain and dysfunction. How are you going to do it? Well, if at your wisest, you forgive so you can step, so you can break free and have a proper filter to be your best self. But most of us choose to cope. And coping mechanisms leads to more bad things, which leads to more damage to your soul, which leads to more pain and dysfunction to your life. And you find yourself in this vicious cycle years later, realizing, holy crap, the root of all my problems or from a root of bitterness from 20 years ago. Yeah. So I would invite all of you listening right now to think what have been your coping mechanisms instead of forgiveness towards the bobs in your life. For me in junior high and high school, Michael, I was awesome at coping mechanisms. I just took all my pain, all my anger, all my resentment, and I just shoved it to the bottom of my soul and never talked about it. Hey Dean, how you doing with it? Hey, Dean, we should probably talk about, right? And what I hadn't told you is I was the biggest miracle in the world for me came on the same day as the saddest day in my life, which was that that man who picked me up from school that day, Pastor Rex Bell, asked me to be his son, Mm. which was a game changer for me. From this wild and crazy kid to all of a sudden this wild and crazy pastor's kid, just like that. Which, and, which like would have been a huge 
adjustment for their family as well. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I was, you know, so dysfunctional (laughs) and crazy and hyper and had all these coping mechanisms dealing with the trials and tribulations of, you know, all my, yeah. So can you imagine? And I'm, I'm tall and hyper. So bringing in this really tall 12 year old kid, but my fifth and final dad, pastor Rex became my hero. And he gave me a love that I didn't even know was possible from a father figure. And he would have this thing, this mantra that you have. And every, every few months or so, he'd get a serious look on his face, Michael. And he'd be like, Dean, how's it going with your forgiveness with towards Bob? How's it going? Dad, it's going really great. Thank you so much for asking. And he'd say, son, stop goofing around. How's it going with your forgiveness? And I'm like, who asked that question? And I would get past it, but he would sting me. Michael, he would sting me with something. I'm going to sting. Once you know this, once I say this out loud, you will forever not be tormented by it. So get ready. He would say, son, you will never live in the fullness of your potential until you make forgiveness a priority. And Michael, I thought to myself, are you freaking kidding me? You're going to tell me the man, the person whose mother was brutally murdered that I would never be my best Dean unless I forgave him. It's not possible to forgive him, but even if it was possible to forgive him, why would I ever do that for him? I would never do that for him. And here's the thing is I didn't realize that the kind of forgiveness that my dad was talking about wasn't a kind of forgiveness that I was going to be doing something for Bob. It's going to be about the kind of forgiveness I was going to be initially doing something for myself. Right. My dad loved me and he wanted me to be, he wanted me to impact the world. Like I wanted to I had big dreams. And so coping mechanisms took over. Here's the thing. Coping mechanisms will always fail. Michael, they'll always fail, but junior high and high school, I'm fine. But then I got into college. All of a sudden I needed something a little stronger to deal with that inner turmoil. And I got really into drugs and alcohol. I got married at the age of 20. How long do you think that marriage lasted? Do I hear one year, one year, one and a half years? It lasted two years. And she thought she married this really nice pastor's kid and realized she had married a guy who wanted to party all the time. Yeah. And so she left me after two years. And I wish I could say, that's when I turned the corner, Michael. I was enlightened by that. But really, it was because of my business endeavors. I had big dreams for sales and entrepreneurship and I saw myself here impacting the world and making a lot of money and helping a lot of people. And I kept finding myself here and I I took all, I took all the sales classes. I did all the right things. And I just like, how do I bridge this gap? And my dad's tormenting words came back into play that I would never, I would never be where I wanted to be until I made forgiveness pretty. And isn't it something Michael that we know that we should have positive attitudes and overcome our sabotaging thought habits. And yet we just let the poison of bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment. Yeah. We don't make it a priority. You know, we, we, the the Cirillo family had an experience and and this is why I think it's so important. This is why I love this message and what you're sharing with us. Sure. There's going to be those that at face value are like, dude, what does this have to do with the retail car industry and making my, my job better? Well, it's because your job is a piece of your life and your life. It's not your job that dictates your life. It's your life that determines how high you can go in your job and in your relationships and, and these sorts of things. And I want to share this with you because I mean, this, this to me, you you know, truth be told, okay, DPB gang, 
Truth be told, we had some technical issues and we got about 15 minutes into a conversation with Dean about a week ago, or if you're listening to this in the future, a year ago uh, or <laughs> 10 years ago. Uh, and, and we had to cut it short. And in between then and now, I watched the documentary. I did so much more reading and researching. And the reason I'm so passionate about this, the Cirillo family had an experience, uh, Dean, when, when I was mm, probably 13 or 14. My dad's always been an entrepreneur, raised in the house of an entrepreneur, now an entrepreneur, you know, uh, it's just the way it is. Uh, he sent me a picture not too long ago. They're off camping somewhere and somewhere in their uh, glamping rather in their RV. And he sent me this picture. They were looking through old photos and it's a picture of me, probably a year old sitting on his lap. He's got one of his, he used to publish telephone books and he's got a, one of his telephone books open and he sent me the caption and he goes, Hey, so look how young you were when you were getting your first lessons in business. I thought, Fantastic. And he's taught me so much about business and finance and all these sorts of things. When I was about 13, he hired an individual who was struggling financially. And one of the jobs of this individual was to go around town and, and collect from the advertisers, those that would advertise in his telephone books and the yellow pages or whatever. And it took about a year for us to realize that every now and again, I remember that. And by the way, they were in the same congregation as us. Mm. So every now and again, we'd go in and stop by and do, you know, whatever you want to call it, a ministering visit, a, Hey, how you doing? Check in, make sure the, the people are doing okay. And every time we'd, we'd show up, you know, they'd complain about finances and all those sorts of things, welfare type issues. Um, temporal welfare, I mean, not like welfare, go pick up your wealth, but like temporal welfare, well-being rather. Yet they'd be like smoking ribs and a brand new thousand dollar smoker and, you know, getting the finest cut of it. And, and it took us about a year. My dad was like, something's up. This, uh, this doesn't make sense. What's going on here? Well, what we realized is that this individual was going to these um, businesses to collect. And he was saying, make the checkout in my name. And, and that's how this works. So you're going to make the, cause I'm a contractor. So you make it out to me. I'm the one that's actually providing the work. And so you make it out to me and, and then the, the telephone book, they get their cut. No, that's not, he was not a contractor. He was an employee. He was, he stole, I think just over a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. And, that hurt my parents so deeply. Not the, not the monetary side of it. The fact that somebody would steal this much money and still have the audacity to look them in the eyes and say, I'm struggling. I need help. And my parents bent over backwards to help them. Mm. And you know what? They hung on to this for years and it's funny looking back now, you know, I'm nearing 40, so I, I'm looking back in retrospect. What happened during these years of torment, anger, frustration, non-forgiveness? Our businesses struggled. Our light, like our mindset struggled. I know my parents were struggling. Freaking look at this. I don't trust anybody. This happened. Blah, 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 blah. All these things. Looking back. You know, I say it kind of tongue in cheek earlier, like, I got to be honest with you, like the reason this, this 
this. Not that I haven't been being honest with you, but one of the one of the things that the reason why your message, Dean, resonates with me is because who I am today, I I made a choice somewhere along the lines that I choose to not have any bobs. Awesome. I choose like people go, I was on an I was being interviewed on a podcast and they go, We want to end this off by asking you what grinds your gears. I couldn't think of anything. Mm. nothing pisses me off like i just life's too short and i think my parents never really identified it physically like the way you're you're laying this out for us they never said oh you see it wasn't until we forgave them truly that things started to pick up i observed i think subconsciously maybe i observed that the minute they had the freedom to put their energy in things that actually matter is when things took off and so I've taken that with me and I'm like, well, I just choose to not, <laughs> you know, hold grudges, get offended because that, that I think is very real. There's people listening to this and I know I'm doing all the talking here and I, I hate it. So we're going to turn it back to you. But I mean, I know there's people listening that are like, yeah, I'm holding a grudge. Yeah, I'm holding I'm I'm getting offended by everything. Something my boss said, you know, ticked me off. Um, and so that's the the very real experience we had. We had a Bob and it was ha- it. it he was hanging on us like a dirty, you know, whatever. But I simply, my translation was because they were so focused on that, they could not focus on anything that attributed to growth. Is that the essence of your journey? I mean, what's the power of forgiveness really for, for those that are trying to make the connection? I think you said it. Well, let's take what we would consider a small box. You know, like this, my sales manager, he's just, he's a, he's a bleepity bleep or whatever. Yeah. Right. Oh, he's just a small Bob, you know, compared to your, if you just wanted to compare, you'd think, okay, it's nothing big. Well, on your way home, all you're thinking about is how your small Bob sales manager is a total jerkity jerk and and you're, and you're reliving and you're recounting and you're re you're watching the movie over and over. You park your car, you walk in the house with all that mojo and you find yourself being hard, harsh and cutting with your family, with your spouse, with your kids, because you're still in uptight mode, you, you, you eventually calm down and you pull it together and, and you complain to your spouse about how, gosh, you just did it. And that whole time home could have been creatively thinking or allowing yourself to be present. What can I do for my family when I get home? How can I be a good parent? And it's just like you said, your mind is focusing on the past instead of being in the present and thinking about how you can show better in the future. Right. A hundred percent. And then, so, but, but, but now this is okay. Somebody stole money from us. Fantastic. Yours is my stepdad murdered my mom. Like there, I saw the footage of him being cuffed and walked out to the, like, so somebody goes, well, Dean, this is all fine and great. You're saying forgiveness. But what did your journey, what did your journey to forgiveness actually look like? Okay, so you, you you were all over the place, attention like crazy, bouncing off the walls, pro- probably yeah. a bit of a pain in the butt for, you know, your your new, your, you know, dad number five, who you and the documentary talk about is, that's my dad. Like he oh, is 100%. my dad. He's been my dad's ever since. Basketball yeah. somewhere in there too, right? Yeah, I got to play in college and professionally in Europe. Yeah. That's, that's. I mean, that's another podcast of itself because I think that's so awesome. 
but but at that point too you were still like hanging on to this yeah and so i just want to talk real quick like how do you go from wait you said something though my mom was murdered whenever you look at it like what you're doing for your bob you're off right remember you want to be your best parent uh entrepreneur salesperson father mother then you're doing it for yourself. So it doesn't matter. People often will test me and say, well, what if someone did something to your kids or your wife? I'm like, I would forgive as fast as I could because I still want to show up the best I can for who is living in my life. Who, you know? So for me, my forgiveness going from hating him. And when I thought about his face, I wanted to hurt people. (laughs) Right. It started with this really interesting moment where I got sick and tired of being sick and tired of not being my best self. I wanted to reach my potential, Michael. I wanted to like, I wanted to help a lot of people and I wanted to make a lot of money and I wanted to make an impact in this world and just be a bright light. And it started in this, this dramatic moment in my living room and it was kind of like a declaration and a prayer. And I got a lot of things wrong on this particular day. There's a couple of things I would want to share for everyone. If you want to go from where you are to a whole new possibility is that I voiced my choice and I said out loud, damn it. Right now I choose to forgive Bob. I'm choosing to forgive Bob. And we know that our brains are most powerfully impacted by two things, the words we speak and the pictures we make in our minds. Mm. And when we say something as audacious as I choose to forgive, I'm guessing there's a very high percentage of people listening to my voice right now who've never said that out loud because it sounds crazy, but yet it's the beginning of, of a very freeing process in your life. And I believe that a whole new dimension of possibility opens up when you begin to speak it. And so I did. And I asked for help. I asked for help from my dad. I asked for help from God. I asked for help from people in my life. And I made it a daily process. And for me, it was, you know, I think of it as like 100% spiritual journey and 100% personal development. There was, for me, there's a huge faith element, but there was also actions. And if, if spiritual is not your thing, there's a lot you can still do for your forgiveness journey. I think it's great when you have both sides, but boy, there's a lot you can do. And it has to do with your words and what you visualize. And there's, there's all kinds of different processes. Many of them I include in my online forgiveness course called freedom through forgiveness, but nothing happened immediately for me, Michael. I'll tell you that. Was, was, was therapy a part of this? No, mm. no therapy. Uh, but over time, because every day I, I, I call it now the freedom 15. I just spent a few minutes every day going through this, this process of transforming my mind. And like I said, it was, it was declaration for me. It was prayer. It was words. It was these little exercises. And over time I was able to completely forgive the man that brutally murdered my mother and there's, here's what you need to understand. I hope this is a, a visual that we, in the absence of bitterness, in the absence of unforgiveness, in the absence of resentment, in the absence of thoughts of revenge, you now have room in your mind, your heart, your spirit for more love, more joy, more peace, more productivity, more creativity, more presence, more authenticity. Mm, yeah. And, and so you better believe it translated to my real life world. All of a sudden, I, I, that's when I got the, I was, that's when I got the opportunity to play professional basketball overseas. When I thought all my opportunities were dried up, I came home from that 
And I was able to be recognized as one of the top salespeople in one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world for several years. I, you know, and there's lots of accolades that I'm so thankful to have accomplished. And I know none of them, none of them would have been possible for me. Yeah. If I would have still been carrying around what I carried around for so long, which was the anger and the frustration and the bitterness towards Bob. It's so funny. Like Bob did something to me and I chose to burn down my own house for several years. And it's like, why would we ever do that? It just yeah. doesn't make any sense. Right. So can I ask you, can we have Bob's by osmosis? And, and here's what I mean by that. So at the, at the top of the interview, I, I said, Hey, I, I actually polled some people and I said, Hey, I'm going to be interviewing a guy whose stepdad, uh, now, okay. Call it sensationalism. And I know I can only say it to you because of where you've arrived at in life. I said, I'm about to interview a guy whose stepdad brutally bashed his mom's brains in. How would you navigate that? And I said, well, we, we would brutally bash his brains in period. Like, and they started to feel the anger and, the. oh no, I wouldn't, I would not. This is kind of where I'm going with the question. I would not be able to forgive them. Can we have Bob's by osmosis? Interesting (laughs) question. Osmosis as in we can. Like I'm absorbing feelings and emotions about something that hasn't happened to me. Sure. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And it's holding me back. Just like you can see something on TV yeah. or YouTube that, and all of a sudden you think about how you hated that person in the video. You don't even know their name. You just know it's a cop who did something really stupid to right. somebody. Yeah. And you, you think about it and you're, you lose sleep because you're so angry about it. So yes. Now, can we tell Michael, can we tell your audience about my moment of truth in that hotel room? Hit me. We have, you know to. what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. So, you know, there's these moments of truth in your life and you don't always have a moment of truth when you're forgiving. But for me, I did. Um, first of all, remember in the absence of bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment, there's room for something else. For me, it was also compassion. Mm. And I began to have compassion. Now, Bob got out of prison in 1997. And for years, I just felt like I was supposed to reach out to him with this message. And in 2006, long story short, I called him on the phone. He was out of prison for several years at this point. And I tracked him down and I told him that I forgave him. And I told him that I believed that God still had a purpose for his life. And if he would let me, I would love to help him forgive himself so that he could walk in his purpose. Wow. Yep. Now that's not the moment of truth, but that's where my journey took me. And that was pretty, it's pretty crazy to tell you that. First of all, even to say those words, I'm still like, wow, that's weird. My moment of truth was a year and a half later, Bob had attempted suicide about a year after that phone call. And I got the opportunity to travel from Seattle to Tennessee to help save his life. And I'm with him. And out of the blue, we're in a hotel room sitting three feet away from each other. And out of the blue, now picture this being you, by the way, you're sitting three feet away from your your biggest Bob, or maybe just my situation. Out of the blue, Bob says, Dean, the incident with your mother happened on a Tuesday. 
but I want to take you back to the Friday before. And over the next 10 minutes, Bob begins to lay out all the details leading up to the day he took my mom's life, the issues with the money, the drugs, the alcohol, the painkillers, the uh, us kids, uh, all these different, was my mom seeing another guy, all these situations. And he gets to Saturday and he gets Sunday, he gets to Monday and he gets to Tuesday. Now picture this, my heart's beating out of my chest. I'm sitting three feet away from Bob, looking him directly in the eyes when he begins to tell me every detail about that day, including what her last words were and how many times he hit her. And I'm in this moment and I'm feeling sad because the details were sad, but I'm all of a sudden having this flashback, like at the end of a movie. And I'm realizing I'm remembering, I'm remembering Rex Bell coming into the office and saying, Dean, we have to go to the hospital. I'm remembering the egg salad sandwich. I'm remembering all the years of coping and just trying to get by. And I remember the frustration and the drugs and the divorce and always just feeling like I wasn't being the person I was going to be until I finally made that choice. I choose to forgive and enter this process. And here I'm sitting in front of him and I'm sad by what he's telling me, but I'm realizing I don't feel like punching him. I don't feel like doing anything to him. In fact, I had compassion in my heart and I'm realizing I have never felt more powerful. I have never felt more free than right now because I'm in complete control. And it's in this moment in this hotel room where I'm like, this is it. You can overcome any unforgiveness. This is proof to me. And it's been my passion. That was in 2009. It's been my passion since that time to help everyone else be able to experience this freedom that's found in forgiveness because that it was a just turning point where I was like, my life changed. I hear parents that tell me their kids that grew up um, with them in their angry, bitter years are a lot different kids than the younger ones who came up after they chose to make forgiveness a priority. Right. Forgiveness for me has changed everything. And now I've been able to witness thousands of other people have the same thought that you're the people you pulled had, which was, I could never do that. And somehow along the way you think, well, Dean, he's got some great strength. Wow. He's incredible. Dude. No, bro. Not even close. The only thing I did that made me stick out was that I made forgiveness a priority. And yes, I, there was a blueprint that I've been able to perfect over time that helped, but it was like, I just stuck to it. Forgiveness is uncomfortable. So you start it for like a day. You're like, screw that. I'm going to focus on all the other things about positive mental attitude, but I'm just going to let this poison sit in my soul. Yeah. Making forgiveness a priority changed everything. And like, I, I without you, like, you know what, what this is a, this is a Russian nesting doll of issues like Bob, Bob, right? Whatever your Bob is, it's a, because like you had Bob, but your Bob was as much an internal problem with yourself as it was with the actual like Bob. And then all these years later, you're sitting in the hotel room and Bob's got his own Bob's because he's Bob. Like, Oh, let's, let's unpack that Russian nesting doll. Oh, look more Bob. And Oh, look more Bob inside of that one. Like even right down to, and I don't want to give too much of the story away, but down to the fact that he's got this girlfriend who has no clue about (laughs) like, Oh, I'm so, so you married an ex murderer kind of a thing. Crazy, Right? right? Who didn't know the details. And like, 
So that became another Bob for Bob because it's, that's, you know, you know, like living in a lie or whatever you feel like um, the, the issue is like, there's just so many um, layers of Bob. And I think that's the tremendous value of what you're teaching us here is, well, what frees you from that forgiveness? It's the only, it's the only thing that breaks the, the vicious cycle of, Bad things, damage, pain, dysfunction, coping mechanisms, bad things. I was saying also many times our biggest bobs are the ones in the mirror. Think about how, how it would boost your confidence, your security, your ability to shine to your most authentic awesomeness when you're not holding anything, any of your past against yourself. Yeah. You know, it's, it's incredible. But I was saying the reason that you might think I could never do that, I could never do what he did, I could never forgive a Bob like that, is simply just because you haven't gone through the process that I went. I said I said the same thing, Michael. I never thought, well, I'm going to forgive him. It's going to be great. Right. I said right. the same thing the whole time. Yeah. But in making it a daily process and getting healing and transformation, it changes your filter of mm. everything. When you're not carrying this burden of unforgiveness you're able to see the world from a completely different place, including your boss. Now I will say this. My wife is, if she was in the audience, so to speak, she'd be like, say the thing. Reconciliation isn't always practical or appropriate or safe. It's not always the right thing to do because it takes two people. Right. But one thing you can do regardless of your boss is you can just in and of yourself or you in a spiritual relationship with God, if that's your thing, is you can still unshackle, unburden from any bitterness and unforgiveness. It doesn't have to incorporate or involve your Bob at all. In fact, at the beginning, I recommend that it doesn't. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm attracted. I'm sucked in. I'm completely flabbergasted and amazed that you know we are more powerful than we give ourselves credit for and in each of us is the power to forgive it's like we have the power to unleash freedom for ourselves and that is really dean that that's the reason why i, I thought man i gotta have you on because not only is the story tremendous, but it is what I can realize of myself that I think is truly tremendous. And for those listening and for those people that are hearing your message, how does this translate to your life? How does this translate to your career? How does this translate to your relationships? How does this translate to the way you see yourself is something that is just so powerful for me. I mean, I've had my years of dealing with depression and, you know, suicidal thoughts and negative, you know, lack of self worth and like all these sorts of things, these perceptions that I have with myself. And I think that's one of the reasons why I arrive at why this is such a powerful message. So I want to, I want to thank you. I mean, we've barely scratched the surface on how deep we could go. Like we haven't scratched the surface of the surface of the surface of how deep we could go on this topic, but I want to thank you so much for joining me on the dealer playbook podcast. How can those listening get in touch with you to learn more? You can just simply go to live to forgive.com. There's some free resources in there. There's some some courses that I offer and uh, go there. You can email me at dean at livetoforget.com. Um, I'm also a high performance coach at deanericsmith.com as well. 
You're the man. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Appreciate you, Michael. Thank you so much.